Some of us wish that were the case. It would save us some heartache and some trouble. But that's not what he does. He leaves us here. And yes, by being salt and light, we make a difference in this world. But the biggest difference comes by being a demonstration of the gospel. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I want to give you three simple ways from this passage to apply this to your personal life. I'm speaking as if you're a Christ follower. Some of you are not. Some of you are sitting here as somebody that loves you. They're one. Maybe you're very religious. Maybe you've been in church a bunch, but you're their one. They're praying that God would kick down the walls, that God would shine the light. And and so I want you to listen, but at the end of this time together, there's going to be a different response for you than it is for those who are already Christ followers. So here's the first thing. Every Christ follower should involve those around them as they take their spiritual journey. So we're on this journey with Jesus, right? That's what they began to do. That was the command of Jesus to all the disciples who came after him, follow me. Say, follow me. So if I'm following someone, I'm on the journey with them. Say, I'm on a journey with Jesus. That's what this is. And what I'm telling you is, if you're on a journey with Jesus, it's his expectation that you're involving other people in the journey. Maybe I need to remind you of this. Yes, your faith is deeply personal, but it was never intended to be private. So it's personal. You're not going to get to heaven because of your mom or daddy's faith. You're not going to get to heaven because you joined some big church. You're not going to get to heaven because you hung out with a particular crowd. It's a personal decision you make that results in a personal relationship. It's deeply personal, but it's never intended to be private. God wants you to bring others along. That's what John was doing, right? When we're introduced to him in this whole first chapter, he was bringing others along. Now his methods were a little out of the box. I'm not suggesting that you go around witnessing like John the Baptist. People may Baker Act you. They may put you in the hospital and say, you need help. But I am suggesting that you understand what he understood. He understood his purpose. He was the forerunner of Jesus. It was his job to point other people to Jesus. And so he did it emphatically. The very first verse we read, verse 35 says, behold, it's like he was shouting, hey, listen up, watch, there he is. The Lamb of God. It's kind of a repeat of verse 29. Look at verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, when you point people to Jesus, you're making it clear who Jesus is, what he did, and and why that matters. Who is he? He, He's the Lamb of God. Everyone would understand this because the people that he was around 
had come up in that Jewish system. And in that Jewish system, a lamb had significant importance and it had had significant importance ever since the Passover lamb. Ever since God had spared his people in that plight out of, G- out of Egypt. And so they would understand the significance of the lamb. The lamb was one that would go to the slaughter. The lamb was one that would be sacrificed on the altar. The lamb was one who would give his life sacrificially, substitutionally for them. Behold, the lamb of God. But what does the lamb of God do? He takes away the sins of who? The world. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? That the message of the gospel, the, the, the hope of Jesus applies to everybody? Regardless of nationality, regardless of ethnicity, that God, that Jesus the Christ looks at everyone in the same way as the old country preacher says, the ground being level at the foot of the cross. We all have the same deep need for our sins to be taken away. And so what Jesus offered, John is saying, hey, this is effective for everybody. But it's only efficient for those that respond. See, everybody's not a child to God. I think Oprah's done a lot of good things, but when people like Oprah say we're all God's children, that's not biblical. Because the biblical motto is that you become a child of God when you're adopted in his family. Now, let me make sure you understand that because that is not an unloving statement. We are all God's creation. Every one of us are created in his image. And the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that he knits us together. I heard this week, that means that, means that you were handmade. So God cares about every single one of us. We're his creation, created to become his children. But we only become his children when we understand this need that our sins be taken away and that we trust him and we become a part of his family. It is for everybody, but it's not automatic. And, and here's the problem when it comes to the subject we're dealing with. We live as if we think it's automatic. Many of us who are Christians, we are what we would call practical universalists. You live your life as if your coworkers, your classmates, your neighbors, they're going to heaven regardless of what you do. Think about it this way. If that person, if your classmate, if your coworker, if your neighbor was the Christian and you were the non-Christian and they had the same fervency for the gospel that you have, is there any chance that you would come to know Jesus because of their testimony? Many of us live as if we think everybody's going to get it. Why does it matter what we do? We're not John the Baptist. What what I'm saying to you is just it's biblical, regardless of your walk, to involve those around you in your journey. It's unbiblical if you're on the journey and those around you don't recognize it. So let me make this practical, okay? One of the things we can do is just ask permission. You ask questions that ask permission to talk about the things that matter in your life. And Jesus gave us one of the best questions, right? What are you seeking? That's a good place to begin. 
Most of the people you're friends with that are in your concentric circles of concern, if you ask them, hey, what matters to you? What matters most to you in life? What, what are you after in life? Just something like that. If you want to do it a little differently, ask them for permission to talk about spiritual things. Hey, would it be okay if we have a spiritual conversation? Would it be okay if I ask you a spiritual question? Occasionally, somebody will say no. I've had that happen. Guess what? They're not rejecting you. It's okay. You haven't done anything wrong. This week, I was with a couple of friends, and we were at a local restaurant, and we were just small talking before we ordered, and the waitress came up, and, and we ordered. And I, I don't always do this. I, I wish I did this every time I, I was in a restaurant. I don't. But when I'm prompted, I, I try to be obedient. And so I looked at her name tag, I, I called her name, and I said, hey, in just a minute, so-and-so and so-and-so and I, we're, we're going to say a prayer, and it's kind of a prayer of blessing for our food. I just wondered, is there anything going on in your life that we can pray about? She didn't miss a beat. She said, absolutely, my brother. I said, great, what's going on with your brother? She told me. I said, tell me his name. And I repeated his name and said, we're about to pray for him. And then I said, hey, it doesn't look real busy. You want to hang out here a second and just pray with us? She said, I would love that. So we took a minute and prayed. And guess what? Of course, I prayed for her brother by name. She was so grateful. She walked away. And the person I was with, she said, thank you. I, I, I didn't really know it was that easy. I, I've wondered how I do this, how I take those steps, how I share my witness, and, and you just gave me a practical example. I, that's what I want you to hear. You can do this. You don't have to have a seminary training. You, you don't have to have... Uh, completed all the classes of vacation Bible school. In fact, you know what I figured out? One of the crazy things about church, Sunday school is the only school you never graduate from. I mean, you're never going to get enough according to us. So you don't have to have all that. Hey, let me give you something else you can do. Now, I want you to understand, you don't have to have a special program to do what I just said. But I want you to save this date. Coming up at the end of the month, on August 24th, we're going to huddle together again and just teach through at least one practical way for you to share your faith. Very simple, something you can learn and apply in just an hour or so. And then you can take it with you. And then you can just share that in a couple of minutes, anytime, every day of your life. See, when we involve others in our spiritual journey, it opens the door for us and for them to begin to think about spiritual things. So what was the response of the two disciples after Jesus was brought to their attention by John? They began to follow Jesus. But I want you to see something. At first, they didn't surrender their lives to Jesus. Even after they were following after. Remember, they said, what, he, Jesus said, what do, you, what do you seek? And they kind of blew him off and said, oh, where do you live? And Jesus said, come and see. And so they began to follow. It was after that that they acknowledged that he was the Christ. See, if you can get people to surrender a moment, God will do the rest. He'll get them to surrender their lives. That's not your job. You're not going to change anybody. You can't change the person that knows you best. The Holy Spirit of God can. 
And He does. I want to remind you, He can do more in a moment than you can do in a lifetime. you got to decide, are you making the most of the moments? If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. So Jesus made the invite, come and see. And that's our second thing. you got to invite. Every Christ follower should invite those they know to follow Jesus with them. That's where it starts, just a simple invitation. One invitation. Jesus invited Andrew, and Andrew invited his brother. And on the day of Pentecost, his brother stood up and invited everybody gathered, and 3,000 people began a relationship with Christ. But it all started with one. Who's your one? You got their name down yet? This idea, this concept was kind of started with a pastor who now leads our denomination. His name's J.D. Greer. Watch this short message from him. Numbers. We live by numbers. We track and count and measure everything. And sometimes we think the only numbers that really matter are the big ones. But it's the single digits that make the difference. The Bible says that heaven rejoices with the number one. Yeah, heaven rejoices each time even one person comes to know Jesus. We pastors dream about big numbers, and we should. But a daily focus on one meaningful interaction for Christ, that's the true difference maker. One friend, one family member, one co-worker, one person at a time. We want to see God move in our nation like we have never seen before. But it all starts with one. I've got my one. And now I'm challenging you and your church to join us and to find yours. Because ultimately, the only number that really matters is one. Who's your one? So when you get your one and you invite them, what are you inviting them to do? Well, you're inviting them to Christ for sure. But I, I want to recognize, because some of you think that is more difficult than it is, you don't have to start there. You, you can invite them to church. Now, you need to begin with, hey, we're not a perfect church. By the way, if, if you're looking for a perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. We're not a perfect church, but you know, if you invite them here, guess what they're going to hear? They're going to hear an invitation to Christ. Some of you say, well, no, the Bible says we invite them to Jesus, not to church. Well, let me just tell you something. In the New Testament, Jesus was physically with them in the Gospels, right? He was with them in body. What is the body of Christ today? It's the church. Invite them to church. Invite them into your community. I hope that you're engaged in a community group. I've got friends in the room that have walked through challenging times and they would tell you that if it were not for their community group, they don't know how they would be making it through. Invite them 
Invite them, invite them. 85% of the people in our culture that come to Christ do so after an invitation to church. Who have you invited? Well, Andrew began with his family. You know, the truth is, uh, some of us need to start there. We need to begin with our family. And I know what some of you are thinking. Our family is the hardest to reach. Is it? Should it be? I mean, shouldn't those that know us the best see the change the most? Shouldn't they see Jesus in us? So my question is, when you're thinking about your one, do you have a father or a mother or a brother or a sister or a son or a daughter or a grandchild that needs Jesus? You say, I don't know. You don't know? I mean, I want to go back. Do you believe the things we teach in this church? Everybody is going to spend forever somewhere. How could you not know about the ones that you love the most? Oh, preacher, I'm scared I'm going to run them off. My friend Johnny Hunt says, run them off. What are you going to run them off to? Hell number two? (laughs) This is life and death. This is forever. Who's your one? Why are we not inviting people to Jesus? Billy Graham said all of his ministry that one of the reasons is because the church is filled with people that don't really have a relationship with Christ. He, he got great controversy in his ministry when he said he thought perhaps as many as 60% of the people in the church are not truly saved. I was with one of our dear friends this week and we were just sitting talking about life. And he said, Pastor, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I, I sit in church and I think about what we're called to do and the difference we're supposed to make. And I just wonder, are one in five of us that sit in the seats, do one in five of us really have a relationship with Jesus? Billy Graham says, the, you, the church used to be a force for evangelism. Now we're a field for evangelism. And, and so maybe, maybe today you need to respond. You need to recognize that you're somebody's one and you need to begin that relationship with Christ. Well, Andrew's the inviter, man. He, he was inviting Peter to Jesus. The second time we see Andrew, you know what he's doing? He's bringing the little boy to Jesus to feed the 5,000. Did you know that was Andrew? The third time in the Bible we see Andrew, he, he's bringing the Greeks to Jesus. Who are you bringing? Who are you bringing to Jesus? Well, Maybe you need to hear this today. Maybe you need to hear that every Christ follower should influence his or her little corner of the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Every Christ follower. So we involve others, we invite others, and then we influence others. Now let me have, let me give you, like the kids like to say, a truth bomb. Let me drop a truth, truth bomb on you, all right? Every one of us, every one of us are influencing our little corner of the world. The question is just whether or not we're doing it with the good news of Jesus Christ. When we do, even if it takes eight months, it makes a difference. Who's the one person that God wants you to focus on? I'm, I'm so thankful that months ago, 
God put Jay on Greg and Gina's heart and in their life, and, and we get to see the testimony of that one. I'm, I'm so thankful for my friend John Kelly, who, after I was asleep last night, sent me a message, and I was able to see early this morning, just reminding me that it's been a couple years ago, but that we asked you to do a similar thing, to write down names of people you were praying for. And John said, I wrote down two names, Pastor, and I want you to know both of them began a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, when we do this, it makes a difference. And it changes everything. I was just thinking through this on one of those long walks and an idea hit me and I instantly turned off the music in my earphones and and called the office and said, hey, I I want you to do something. Uh, So today uh, we're recognizing that gratitude is a pretty good motivator. So as we're talking about this, some of you are remembering the person that introduced you to Jesus. And and for some of us that have a lot of this color hair, it, it could be that that person has gone on into eternity. I, I don't know. But it could be that, that they're still around or, or that someone has influenced you with the good news of the gospel. So in just a moment, when, when we sing a song of celebration, one of the things I'm going to give you a chance to do is just come and pick up some thank you notes. But these aren't just simple thank you notes. We printed these and we intentionally didn't put our church information on them because this is not about our church. We just wanted you to be able to reach out to some folks and say this, thank you for loving me enough to introduce me to Jesus. That's what it says on the inside. And so some of you just need to come and get one of these cards and let gratitude motivate you to pass that on, to introduce others. Who involved you in their faith journey? Who invited you to church? Who influenced you with the good news of the gospel? Can you imagine what would happen if we begin to take this seriously? And think of the joy that that induces Can you imagine what it was like for Mordecai Ham, the preacher who was preaching when Billy Graham got saved, to see him walk into the gates of heaven just several months ago? But then to know that Billy Graham could search out and find not the preacher, but the man that came to him while he was singing in the choir, even though he couldn't sing, he just wanted to sit behind the preacher at the crusade that night. A man came to him in the choir and said, hey, I want you to come down front and talk to the preacher and let him introduce you to Jesus. We don't know that guy's name. (laughs) What joy. What tremendous joy. Well, the bottom line is this. When you truly find what you're looking for, it's only natural to tell somebody about it. That's just the way it works. We were hanging out at the beach, and every time I had the chance, I ate seafood. And yes, it was fried. (laughs) But you know what I've done for the last week in almost every conversation? I brought up the beach, and I told the people who were with me about those restaurants. Because it was good. When something impacts you for good, It's natural to talk about it. Why aren't we talking about Jesus? A lot of folks in our church have been influenced by the ministry of the Navigators. Dawson Trotman, the founder of the Navigators, was a prolific pointer of people to Jesus. This is what he said. People who point people to Jesus do so not because of what they know, but whom they know and how much they want others to know Him. 
My question for you today, is that you? And if it is, who's your one? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.